I can't say it enough. Give as much as you can and it'll just come back. Small businesses are the backbone of the American economy and here in Michigan, but only 50% will make it five years in business. On Mitten Money, host William Zank will focus on helping Michigan-based business owners with the tough questions that will help them succeed. How do I expand my business? What options do I have for retirement? How do I move forward? Having worked with small business owners throughout his entire career and with excellent attention to detail and strong analytical skills, William Zank of TriStar Trust will unearth answers to these questions and more. You can subscribe to the podcast and learn more about how William and the TriStar Trust team can guide your small business at TriStarTrust.com. Good morning, good afternoon, and welcome to another episode in Mint Money. This podcast will focus on helping Michigan-based business owners find the answers to tough questions that will help them succeed. On today's show, we invite Bob Sellerland on the podcast, who is the current president and founder of Cherry Republic. On today's show, we talk about the origin story of Cherry Republic, why the company was designed to be unconventional, and his pledge to giving back to the outdoors. So welcome, Bob, to Mitten Money. Hey, thanks. Happy to be here. Well, thank you for taking some time out of your morning. So what is the origin story of Cherry Republic? And to my knowledge, I believe that you started selling some t-shirts from the back of your car back in 1989. Is that correct? You are right. A very humble beginning. The car was an old rusty. It was in the back of the car and I even had to chicken wire the trunk to keep the t-shirts in there. But from that humble beginning, I started creating other products. And this is back in 1989 when I was just finishing up college. It took me 10 years to finish up college because one of my issues was always that I was always starting businesses and college seemed like something that was just in the way of my love, which was, I mean, I did a day camps and a t-shirt company. I did a store, a lawn business, which was way too much work, sold turtle fur, all kinds of different things. And and then I go, all right, better get my degree. But then truly in about 1989, I had a great idea for a t-shirt called the Cherry Republic, which was so emblematic of Northern Michigan, make it feel like its own country. And that t-shirt, which I went to an artist to make the drawing, and then I went to a designer to put the graphics on it. And it was 10 times better than I ever imagined it would be. And I sold in one summer, 3,500 of those shirts. There were a lot of trials and tribulations and learnings in that. And the next year I sold about equal or maybe a little bit more, but that wasn't enough to make a year round business out of. So eventually I started getting into food products because food is year round. All right, people don't stop eating all winter. They eat in the summer too. And I'm, unfortunately, I'm in a tourist area where people are only up here in the summer. So I also had to develop a mail order part company to it, where when people came up in the summer, I would not only sell them something, but I would get their address so I could send them a catalog in the winter time and at Christmas. And over the course of the t-shirts and creating new food products and getting people's addresses and building stores, it's just been an evolution of trial and error, resilience, and truly creative growth. And that's probably my strength is I just love to create and try things. If it didn't work, I tried again. My initial vision was that I thought I'd be a 100% wholesale company. I didn't want to have a store. But now my company is only 5% wholesale where I sell to other stores and 95% selling direct to the customer. 
And that's more me. And that's one of the biggest things I'd say is flexibility in a vision is so important for new business owners. Why did you name it Cherry Republic? Is there something to do with cherries in Leelanau County in specific? Yeah, it is very important, the cherries, because what cherries are is it's Northern Michigan and it's Michigan's fruit. We are known for cherries. We are the cherry growing capital of the world. I love cherries. Cherries are one of the greatest of all the fruits. And one reason is it's co-versatile. On top of just being ruby red morsels of joy, they can go sweet on products. They can go savory, spicy. They have every aspect that they can fit in our products. So I was really lucky that cherries are so versatile. And they can go with chocolate, with nuts, with oats, with tomatoes. My mother would go, who's going to buy cherry salsa? No one will eat that. Why waste your time trying to make a salsa? It's our biggest seller. Cherries, spicy, tomatoes, peppers. They're just, it's a slam dunk. Yeah, definitely. The salsa, just for myself, is a personal favorite. So I do appreciate you thinking about that idea. (laughs) You're right. The other piece to this whole cherry thing is when I started in Cherry Republic, a lot of my friends growing up were in the cherry industry. Their parents were farmers and the cherry industry was struggling and there just was more supply than demand. In the 70s, everybody was eating cherry pie and all of a sudden a bunch of competition, Haagen-Dazs and all kinds of other desserts happened and cherry pie was somewhat forgotten. And so we had all these cherries to figure out what to do with. So dried cherries and cherry salsa have been really important. I feel in some ways have kind of helped the industry find other ways to use cherries. In the intro question, you mentioned that you've kind of grown your company from 1989 to selling t-shirts from the back of your car to now four or five stores across the state of Michigan, selling across the country to all these different people. What would you say is the difference between managing a company with a few employees to now a couple hundred? And then in what ways are you trying to keep your company culture strong at the same point? Hiring good people is the most important thing we do here at Cherry Public. And this was one of my slowest lessons learned because I went way too long thinking that I could run this company all by myself and keep it a one-man show. And I was scattered and doing way too much. And my business was just spinning its wheels. And I really started taking off when I started hiring people. And now we are going from one person doing everything to now this summer, I think we're up to 300 employees right now. And at Christmas time, we'll probably have 400 this year. It's the most satisfying thing of Chair Republic to me is my relationships with my employees, to give them the opportunity and watch them grow through my company. I have my leadership team. They've all been here 15 years or more. Some even on 22. That's not bad when you're, the company is only 32 years old. To have a family outside of my other family means so much. How do you keep that employee retention high? How we keep our employees as long as we do has so much to do with a really strong culture and values. And that's what I spend a lot of my time doing is our values are life, liberty, beaches, and pie. And a fifth one that we kind of keep more internal, but it's called We Journey. And it's all about personal growth and company growth. We grow the company and by all the challenges of growing a company, we grow ourselves through 
meeting all those challenges, bettering ourselves for that. And then pie is about generosity. That's probably my favorite and maybe our most important is how we give back. We might talk about that later. Life is all about cherries. Cherries are the greatest of the fruit and stands really life and local. And then it's all about Northern Michigan being able to live in the greatest area. Liberty stands for, if we go from good to great, each of our employees has to take the liberty and initiative on their job. You are completely empowered to tackle your job the way you see fit. And then beaches is have fun. We work together, we're climbing this mountain together, but we're taking these moments to have fun and enjoy ourselves while we do it. That's terrific. And so I noticed a couple of years ago, I think it was back in 2016 or 2017, that you guys expanded. I mean, it's kind of it's a garden hole area in Glen Arbor where your headquarters is, but you've expanded to a little more of a restaurant, but then also having a collaboration with Shorts Brewing in developing your own beer line. And so what was the thought process towards introducing that new type of product? Our goal is to showcase every different way that you can put cherries as an ingredient into other foods. So We've had a really successful line of wines made with cherry. We're probably one of the, maybe the top two or three biggest wine sellers in the county. So it was natural to collaborate with Shorts as we've done with other wineries and with Shorts to make beers. We needed to do a big expansion on a restaurant anyway. So it's really added a neat flavor, just culture around our pub house. It's perfect, light and fun. Can you talk a little bit about the pledge that your business makes to donating Preserve the Outdoors? Yeah, since my first food product, I put on a package, part of all profits go to the Leelanau Conservancy. And if I wasn't a businessman, I've had dreams of being a politician and I would be governor of Michigan or senator or I would have tried and ran for office. Luckily, I'm following my love, which is even deeper than that, is business. I've been amazed how much I've been able to do through my business to give back to the community and feel like every bit of influence that I could have had as a politician by being a businessman. And the biggest way I could do it is by giving to good causes. And so we're getting close to giving $3 million away over these last 30 years. And to every group working to protect the air, water, and woods of Michigan, all to protect our quality of life and to even build it and improve it. And I've watched my little town of Glen Arbor, the town that I grew up in, and I'm watching my kids grow up in it. And they have 10 times the quality of life that I ever did. And I feel like all those donations have come back tenfold through my kids in the mountain bike trails they have and the heritage trail and all the national park beaches that we've donated to improve. And I can't say it enough that for a business and for us, that the more we've given to our community, the more we've received back in loyal customers and more customers and just the quality of our work and the permanency and the loyalty, the long lastingness of our company. I can't say it enough. Give as much as you can and it'll just come back. Absolutely. And so I would imagine that for yourself growing up and then even continuing on until now, the outdoors is probably a big part of your life. And was that part of the process behind when you were starting to go think of different ways you can help give back? 
was giving back to the outdoors the first thing that came to your mind? My 20s, I spent so much time in the national parks across the country and growing up in a national park. When you're growing up, you kind of take it for granted. But as you get to be a young adult, you just realize how precious our woods and wild are. And yeah, it became a passion to do what I can to protect and give back to this part of my life I love so much, my time in the woods. Great. And so switching topics now to a little bit of talking about money, what is the biggest lesson that you learned from money? The biggest lesson that I've learned is was something that was ingrained in my childhood and through my parents who were kind of entrepreneurial themselves. But there's really two ways to look at money. One way is that all the money is in this one treasure chest. And oh, everybody in the world is fighting over that treasure chest and fighting for a piece of it. And that's one way to look at money. And then the other way to look at it is money is flowing everywhere. It grows on trees. It is flowing just like energy or love or anything. And I have always looked at it like that, that there's an unlimited amount of money out there to make and give. And once you have that mindset, you are not afraid to give because you know that there's more going to come back to you to have that philosophy to be able to take risks and not be afraid that I've lost my little piece of the treasure chest because I blew it on that. Because I knew something, if I messed up, more money would be coming my way. So it allowed me to be more entrepreneurial. It allowed me to hire people knowing that once I hired them, that we would earn more sales to afford another person or to afford that person. Because you always hire somebody before you make enough money to pay them. But you got to trust that it happens. And it does. So that was my lesson, that money grows on trees. (laughs) And there's enough for everybody. What's your favorite food item at Cherry Republic? We have a cherry nut mix that is just our dried cherries mixed with raw nuts. And I just love the balance of that, of the nuts and the cherries. We have a newer product. It's a 72% dark chocolate and cherries. I love that product. And our cherry pie. Last night, I brought a pie home. A friend was over and my family, we haven't had one in a while. And I ate my slice last night and then I ate another slice. And then this morning there was some left. And I just before I left the house, I'm eating another piece of cherry pie. And there's something about our pie. We use tapioca. We bake it just once. So the cherries are real sour. And then we get the sweet gel, the tapioca gel and the savory of the crust. And there's so much intricacy on our cherry pie. Did it take a while to try and figure out what the right mix for all those things are or have those ingredients and maybe the baking process as well evolved over time? Well, our pie is about the toughest thing we make. And I can remember a pie maker, a big national pie maker came in and a lot of guys would come in and love it. The businessmen around and giving each other advice. And he's like, Bob, don't try so hard. Just buy my pie and sell those. Just put them in the oven. They're frozen. Just But we went the long, tough route. And there were times when that pie recipe, people would be bringing that back their pie because the tapioca didn't mix with the water. And it was kind of like this hard rice on the bottom of the pie pan. And so we started grinding the tapioca. And over the course of all of our years, we have that pie perfect. And it wasn't when we started out. When I first went up to the old Mission Peninsula and met with this cherry farmer, 
Mary Lyon, who was winning all the National Cherry Festival pie-making contests and did the pie-making for Bowers Harbor. And I said, teach me how to make pie. And she did. And it's great pie if you make one or maybe four at a time. But it was really tough to make 100 or 200 at a time. So that was my learning is how to take that beautiful pie she can do in her own oven four and turn it into something we can make 400 of. Of course. And so what's the mistake that you've learned the most from? Taking too long to hire. Hiring is probably the most important thing we can do as business owners. I waited too long before I hired and I probably could have catapulted my business faster if I would have hired. And then maybe the next one out of the hiring piece was thinking, and this is a common mistake, is, oh, I need to hire a person. I'll hire just another of me. And that way, we'll have two of us to do all the work. And if you hire that person that is very similar to you, you end up bumping into each other and all wanting to do all the same things. And so that first mistake of hiring that person that was just like me, instead of hiring the opposite of me, which I did the next time, and that person and I were just perfect. This person loved to do the bookkeeping and the behind the house stuff. I love to be in the front. And once I learned that lesson of hiring the person that you can delegate all the stuff that you don't like to do, my business took off. Because typically, if you don't like to do something, you're not as good at that. And there is somebody else that is better than you at it. And once I figured out how to delegate and elevate, I was took off. But so I would say my biggest mistakes was hiring too slowly and firing too slowly. And so diving into that just a little bit further, would you say that you're either working? So let's just go use a regular 40 hour work week as just as an example. Would you say that you're working? 50, 55, 60 hours, more hours per week trying to make up for that other employee who could potentially help you out more? Or was there some other type of central event that happened that kind of turned the light bulb on and said, I really think that we should consider hiring on someone else to take on these additional roles and responsibilities? I had no concept when I started the business of a 40-hour work week. I had none. I would work from the moment I got up till I went to bed. And it wasn't me that went, I need to hire someone. It was my family that went to me and said, Bob, you need to hire someone. Because I kept borrowing them. Hey, can you help me do this? Can I do this? Finally, they got tired of helping me. The concept wasn't even in my head of like hiring. And even after hiring, that was probably one of my strengths is I just have tons of energy and I can work all day and all night. And for the first 20 years of this business, that's what I did. And it's a retail business and in the summers when you make your money. So I would work all day, all night. And it was built around all my loves, giving back and Northern Michigan and cherries and food. And so it was really easy to work. I found something that just fit me perfectly. Touching upon your answer from earlier too, that you admitted that maybe you fired people a little too slowly. Was that something that maybe the person wasn't a cultural fit or was there something else that you identified in that process? Mostly it is a cultural fit or they didn't quite have the capacity to do that or the wrong person for the wrong seat. In my little town, there aren't as many employees around. So I have this fear that if I let someone go, there's not another new face in the door. So I do tend to wait too long. Now, it's really 
exciting that we have such a reach at Cherry Republic and a reputation that we can hire across the nation. Our biggest challenge is finding them housing, but when we put a job out now, we've gotten tons of good quality candidates. And so that brings up another good point. And so when you talk about housing, obviously the summer season being the busiest of probably, well, winter season as well, but just focusing it then again on the summer and trying to recruit nationwide, what are some of the solutions that you came up with to try and help house the workers up north over the summer? Because I can imagine in Glen Arbor, which for the listeners out there, I think maybe Glen Arbor is maybe 500, no, maybe a thousand people year-round residents. And so probably not a lot of apartment buildings or houses for rent that you could even probably house the employees. And so what are some unique ways or solutions that you thought about this and come up with some solutions for it? Finding enough employees, finding the 300 employees we need to run our operations is one of our biggest challenges. And every year it gets tougher because every year there's more tourists coming up here and there's more second homeowners buying homes up and taking homes away from who are one-time year-round residents. And so our pool of workers keeps shrinking. So what we've had to do is buy our own homes and fill them in the summer with summer workers. And we work with our local, we have a private school that's full during the school year. And in the summer, it has a couple of dorms that are empty. So we help them donate it to fix up their dorm so they can use it in the regular year. And then during the summer, they make that available for our kids to rent. We bring in camp workers. People come and tour around the country in an RV and they'll stop and work for three months or four months. We bring those people in and there's three or four campers with their husband and wives working for us. We bring in cool workers, which are these guys that'll go ski and work the ski regions in the wintertime. And then they look down the line and goes, oh, Cherry Republic needs some people. And they got a place to stay. I'll go up there for the summer. And for years and the last couple of years have been tough because of COVID, but J1s, international workers from Jamaica or Romania will come in and we'll use them, but every way possible. To hire our locals, we have all kinds of incentives. If they're going to college and they want to work for us in the summer, if they put $1 away for college, we'll match that $1 for every hour that they've worked during the summer. And if they come back the next summer, we'll match it with a dollar and a half. And if they come back another, they put in a dollar, we'll put in $2, up to $3 if they put one in. So it gives local kids an incentive to come work for us. And then it gives them an extra incentive to keep coming back to work for us. Because if they keep coming back, pretty soon they're running their department. Definitely. That's a very unique way of trying to think of a really good, modern, innovative solution. So Appreciate you mentioning that. And so shifting the conversation now to you, what are some things that you like to do in your free time? I'm a coach. So I love to coach my boys. They're now 13 and 15 and just about to start high school, but right through from the moment they could hold a tennis racket or dribble a basketball or throw a baseball, I've been coaching their little leagues and their basketball teams and taking them around and coaching them in tennis. So I love that part. And not only my kids, but all the kids in our little area that I've been coaching for 15 years. And on top of that, I have a big Greater Swiss Mountain Dog, 125-pound dog that we hike once or twice every day into our woods and swimming in the summer and skiing in the winter with tons of tennis. 
Really cool. And so for those who want to learn more about yourself and Cherry Republic, what are some good resources for the listeners? Every week we send out a newsletter and there's three paragraphs at the end of our newsletter that I write about what's going on this past week that people really enjoy. But the best thing is come up and say hi when you're up in Glen Arbor. I'd love to talk business and love meeting entrepreneurs like myself. Great. Well, thank you everyone for listening to another episode of Mint Money. We love all the feedback that we receive, so please let us know if you have any. Additionally, please follow our podcast so you don't miss when new episodes drop. Thanks, Bob. Thank you. You've been listening to Mitten Money, sponsored by TriStar Trust. Subscribe to the podcast and learn more about how William and the TriStar Trust team can guide your small business at tristartrust.com.